about them Irish. I can't take it anymore. I need a national championship. This is the Four Horsemen Podcast. And we are back. What a week for the Four Horsemen Podcast. Let's recap, shall we? We release a podcast on Sunday, realizing college football is back, so we get hyped. Then we start a follow train, which gets over 17,000 views, and a lot of people joined. It's very successful. And then we have a game with Duke. First game back in almost 300 days. What a week. I know a lot of listeners here are going to be new listeners. We're going to have a lot of old listeners. Basically, this podcast is growing. Our, our last week was our single highest week, and that was after, or that was actually released before Follow Train. So we're expecting this one to be big. Welcome. I'm Dylan. I'm joined by Steve. Uh, P. Wagon's not with us this week, but he'll be in and out as the season goes along. And I'm going to let you take it over, Steve. What did you think about the game, twenty-seven to three, Irish? Uh, well, we won. Uh, that's all that matters on this on the score sheet, and obviously it helps to have you know style points in in college football. But I I'd say the game was was actually a relatively convincing win. It just wasn't stylistically as dominant as we would have hoped. And if you if you look at the the score sheet uh, or the box score, it's not going to show that we pretty much completely shut them down and and should have put this game away. Um, we're going to touch on it more, but. You and I both predicted somewhere in the neighborhood of 34 to 17, 35, 13, 38, 13, somewhere around there. And with the exception of Ian Book's interception after the 75-yard pass, screen pass to Kyron Williams, which should have resulted in at least three, possibly seven points, that the game would have looked exactly like we predicted, which was sloppy to start. And then after we finally, you know, get the timing going uh, and get our bearings underneath us, put the game away as as the game kind of wears on. So everything that we said was pretty much spot on with the exception of one errant pass. So it, it kind of went as expected. So it, it was frustrating throughout the game. I'm sure everyone felt some sort of frustration. We're obviously going to hone in on, on that, both from an eyeball standpoint and then statistically, especially, you know, that that's your uh, area of expertise here, Dylan. And, and we're going to have some help along the way. Uh, with some new followers. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's the initial thoughts that I had off at the top of my head. How about yourself? Well, it's funny how we always predict the, the, the game to start off slow and end high, which is exactly what happened, yet it still felt <laughs> way too close. Mm-hmm. Um, if you go back to our last week, like you had said, we, we had predicted a sloppy first half. Um, and without that book interception, our score would have been straight up pretty much on the dot. Um, I remember during the game, and we see this all the time, you know, ND fans freak out at the first drive, um, feeling like, okay, let's get this going. And it just, it wasn't coming at any point. We just were not getting that offense going. So that was a little worrying. Um, But I never felt like we were going to lose this game, even when it was tight, um, you know, going uh, going into some key moments there. I thought the Irish were kind of, comfortably comfortably ahead i know their win probability wasn't super confident uh, throughout the game but i felt good about it um 
it frustrating though. It was a very frustrating game, um, and I think that's kind of how you felt too. And I, I know P Wagon was, aside from being blackout drunk, um, <laughs> breaking tables and stuff. So you know, welcome to our podcast. Um, the biggest moment I think for me was Kyle Hamilton um, getting hurt. That was the only moment of despair I think, and I'll let you talk about that too. That is literally the definition of despair. Uh, I tweeted out something that was a little bit extreme uh, in in the moment, um, possibly a, uh, something to do with self harm. But I'm okay. I'm fine. Hopefully, Kyle is. I mean, the update most well after the game immediately. They basically said that this was an ankle sprain. Looked worse than it was. Uh, that could be anywhere from a stinger where he might miss a week, uh, anywhere to two three weeks. Who knows? It, he's undergoing further evaluation, last I read. Obviously, every single Notre Dame fan uh, wishes for the health and wellness of Kyle. He is a absolutely wonderful young man. Can't say enough good things about him. Um, really freak situation. Kind of stinks that it happens. We obviously have the depth to cover it, but that's not my concern. You know, Kyle is, is just – he is what will ultimately put us over the top in this season. Uh, he's, he's just so damn good. So to see him go down, uh, thankfully things as of now, knock on wood, feel like it's not going to be as serious as uh, what it originally looked like, which it it did not look good at all. So here's a fun fact for listeners. If you look at our like logo, our four horsemen profile picture on Twitter, um, you'll see that the horsemen have stuff on them, which is supposed to represent us. So one has a Canadian flag, which is me. One just says P wagon because we. It's just there's no other way to as- describe them. And then Steve's actually says "kill me" written on it because of how much despair he's permanently in. So just <laughs> <laughs> go take a look, and you'll see what we're talking about. Um, if I could summarize this game as quick and as succinctly as possible, it was we ran the ball a lot, over 20 times a lot on first down we struggled to establish any kind of run game we struggled to get the ball moving in the air the defense was fantastic our red zone defense stood tall we did not give up much i think it was one touchdown on a quarterback run but for the most part we were pretty good there secondary looked good defensive line looked good um special teams looked good for most of the game game was tight notre dame took the lead kind of held on to it and that was about it I think that's probably the best way to describe the game. The Irish are ranked seventh in the AP as per earlier today. As of this time, it's Sunday. Um, And one thing I want to talk about that should scare us all is Ian Book. And as ND Stats pointed out, and they're an account everyone should be following, uh, we can't blame it all on Book, right? A lot of play-calling decisions um, that would put him in unfavorable situations. I think that obviously has to be said. But Ian Book's performance, when you look at the data, is shocking. Um, he was actually outplayed by their shitty quarterback. Um, so if you look at ESPN's QBR, which is probably the best quarterback metric we have because it's based on EPA, which is expected points added. That's what it's driven by. Uh, Book scored 51.5 out of 100. To give you reference, last season, which was a regressive season for Book, he was 76.3. And the season before that, he was 80.1. So obviously this is just one game, no need to freak out. But he did not play well. He missed a lot of throws. There were throws that should have been caught, but he did not place them super well. Um, He was jittery with his feet. That's something Steve has been hammering him on all last year, was just pocket presence, kind of getting jittery at the first sight of danger. And that's a little concerning. So 
as far as that goes, do you have anything to add on top of that, or should we get right into our four horsemen? Yeah, I mean, it's it's actually crazy because this is one of the uh, instances where I'll say the numbers will probably look worse for Book than what I think he played. I don't think the offensive, you know, powers at B, and and I, I absolutely hate to point the finger at head. Uh, I'm sorry, offensive coordinator Tommy Reese here, but. Uh, a lot of predictable runs against stacked boxes. It's not that our offensive line wasn't opening holes. It's just, you know, when, when you can stack a box, when you know a run is coming on first down, you're going to event, you know, it, it just was so repetitive and there was no trickery. There was no play action. There was just no play calling to free up book and you have to show confidence in him. And so that way he can sh- get confidence in himself. There was very seldom. It felt like we had underneath routes, quick hitting passes, um, you know, guys didn't feel like they were getting open downfield when he was actually dropping back, you know, f- you know, five and seven steps or out of shotgun. You know, so the 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 wide receivers weren't really doing any favors by getting open. He had to rely by and large on well, Joe Wilkins, who, uh, hey, how are you? Welcome to the team. And, you know, I, I've always thought very highly of Wilkins. It's finally nice to see him come into his own. And then uh, he he was relying more so a lot on on tight ends, which tend to be the safety blanket of his of young and inexperienced QBs. So uh, Javon McKinley just didn't get open. Avery Davis, I mean, let's let's call that touchdown pass what it was. It was kind of just a sloppy broken play where he was able to you know just kind of go up and get a 50-50 ball. Wide receivers did him no favors whatsoever. And and Ian absolutely, I will always say he has to have better pocket presence. All things considered, uh, I think that the, you know, utilize passes on first and second down, you free up the running game, you free up Ian Book, you open up play action. I mean, he had 31 passes in this game. He completed 19 of them. I I still think that 30 to 35 passes per game is going to be, you know, kind of the ideal scenario for Ian Book. Um, You know, you just have to start integrating those passes on first and second down to keep the defense second guessing. Because when they when they second guess, you know that's when he becomes a a great quarterback with a viable running threat, keeping everyone on their toes. They have to spy somebody. Then you can get your tight ends, you know, down the seams or out into the flats, and it's a totally different look. So I, yes, Ian didn't have the greatest game in the world. I think this was a little bit more systemic at the coaching and planning level, uh, and I, I I would expect this coaching staff to set him up for success going forward as we kind of learn from this abject failure in my mind. How about yourself? Yeah, no, I think that's right. I think uh, we, we know he's capable of better. Um, and I think he was set up to fail a lot of the times with the way we were running um, early and being stuffed early. Um, so yeah, I think that's well said, but it's going to, something that's going to have to change. They're going to have to be better with the offense. They're going to be more creative. I mean, the misdirections where our best runs should be no surprise to anyone. Um, those kind of plays, the, bu- the bubble screen for Kyron Williams was, um, absolutely awesome. That was a type of creative stuff you need to see. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, it's a little concerning because we had said, if we get Iowa state book, you know, this is a legitimate chance to win the title. If we don't, if we get a lot of 2019 book we'll be a good team. We don't need him to be great to win We we have a good football team, but, um, a little less confident there. Um, so if we move into our four horsemen of the game, um, for the new listeners, that's basically the four players of the game. Um, Steve, I'll let you go first, and uh, let's kick us off for the 2020 season. 
Uh, I'm going to be taking care of something really quick on my end, so I'm actually going to defer to you if you wanted to take it away, sir. Fair enough. Um, with number four, I've got Kyron Williams. Now, I was going to not pick him because obviously running the ball is something that I was very frustrated with in this game. Um, but if you actually look <laughs> at the box score, he was our leading receiver. Um, and something that uh, a guy named Connor McQuiston on Twitter, um, he's actually a Michigan grad, but he put some analytics together after the game. Um, and he found that Kyron Williams was leading Notre Dame in total EPA. Um, and most of that's probably receiver-driven. Um, so Kyron Williams, for me, gets it. Uh, he had 19 touches for 112 yards, which was 5.9 per carry and two TDs. Um, but where he really surprised and where he really gets the horseman for me is actually in the receiving game, two receptions at 93 yards. Um, and as I said, he led the team in EPA. So congrats to Kyron. I think he played as well as a running back could, um, given the circumstances and given just the way the game had gone. Um, third horseman for me, uh, our boy Kyle Hamilton. I mean, there was a great tweet from, uh, I think it was Pete Sampson who started the game saying, Duke decides to throw it to Kyle Hamilton on fourth downs. In other news, Notre Dame is taking over on downs. Um, <laughs> Kyle Hamilton was awesome. Seven tackles, a pass deflection, a quarterback hurry. He was all over the place. As a safety, he was up high. He was in coverage. He was down low uh, to make tackles in the box. I thought he was fantastic. Um, and he's obviously going to be a top draft pick. I haven't seen, I think, an athlete this good at Notre Dame since Jalen Smith, and I legitimately mean that. He could be a Hall of Fame safety in the NFL, that he's got that kind of talent. Uh, number two is your boy, and I hope everybody in the future, when this guy is just, you know, pass rusher of the year, you guys all give Steve Campy credit for this. He called it Isaiah Foskey has been his boy now for a very long time. What a game. He came on as the backup and had two tackles, a sack, a tackle for loss, a pass deflection, and two quarterback hurries. And a lot of those plays were in clutch moments, right? On third down, on fourth down, he was all over the place. He looks like an absolute beast out there. And for me, my first horseman of the game is Jeremiah Usu-Kamora, the joker, as you call him. Nine tackles, a sack, two tackles for loss. He was all over the place. We knew what kind of athletic freak he was, and I think we got to see it today. Yeah, pretty much all spot on. And and Isaiah Foskey, uh, Foskey, sorry, I pronounced that like an imbecile, but Isaiah Foskey and, uh, and Nana Osofa Mensa, who was a four-star out of Texas, those are my two children. They're my baby boys. I love them with all my heart. Um, you know, two, both of them are true sophomores. And, and right now, Nana is, is dealing with a slight nagging injury, but he'll be back you know, midway through the year, and and they are absolutely our future at the edge. And I think starting either next year or or in two years from now, we're both we're going to be looking at them like we did last year with Aquara and Khalid Kareem. Uh, that's how good those guys are. So such exciting stuff for the defensive line of the future. Uh, as for the four horsemen, mine look extremely similar to you. And and the the unfortunate downside is is because by and large there weren't great you know, breakout performances along the way. So yeah, <laughs> Kyron Williams, um, you know, 112 yards with two touchdowns, you know, that, that first touchdown he scored where he was kind of twisting and turning. I mean, he showed not only strength, but also agility and, and the ability to, uh, to get skinny. So, you know, great job for Kyron plus the 75 yard, uh, you know, kind of pass, uh, you know, screen pass that, that he took and, 
didn't end up in points, obviously, as we talked about previously, but we need those those big plays throughout the year and, and to get running backs involved in those those big plays. And it's exciting to think what Chris Tyree can do as well with with those opportunities. <clears throat> uh, Kyle Hamilton, you know, honestly, oh, my God. I mean, four tackles on the first drive, including a fourth down pass breakup. Um, you know, holy crap. Uh, he's just he is. He like people thought Eric Berry was was like the the next greatest thing to come out of college a couple of years back, and obviously with Berry he had some underlying health issues that kind of derailed a, a would be Hall of Fame career for him. Um, Kyle Hamilton feels like a Eric Berry on steroids. I mean, I've never seen a true sophomore with the amount of talent that kid has. Un, he's unbelievable, and not only can he play center field and and shut down literally every single pass that goes remotely in his vicinity, but he gets right up in the box and he will stick guys like he will. He'll get his hat on a guy and he'll he'll knock him right out. Like he he can hit, so he's an all around unbelievable player. And he had a couple QB uh, hurries as well. Didn't quite get the core quarterback, but but he can put on the pressure. So it's it's great to have somebody so versatile. Speaking of versatility. Uh, the Joker, uh, Jeremiah Owusu Koromoa, obviously, you know, for, forced fumble with a sack, and and he was just all over the place. He's a big hitter. He's an athletic specimen. So it's it's really awesome to have that sort of talent on the team, and and he's going to be an absolute leader for this defense. And uh, the the fourth horseman is more of a unit than it would be any individual player, but it's just our special teams unit. Uh, Jonathan Dorr made. His two kicks that he attempted, he was two for two, long of 48. Jay Bramblett was pretty damn good at punting on the day. He had one that kind of got away from him that wasn't great, and then and then he also obviously had that you know that scramble on a fake punt that uh, that kind of got the the game going. And then Isaiah Pryor, I believe it was the first punt of the game. Um, the guy stupidly did not call a fair catch, and Isaiah Pryor, I think sent him seven yards back with this hit. <laughs> he killed him. So Yeah, uh, I hope to see Pryor more on the defense. I think absolutely. he's got a lot of talent there. Um, if I could uh, blow your mind for a moment, and this may be indicative of how poorly we had played offensively, but uh, like I had mentioned earlier, uh, Connor McQuiston on Twitter put out, and this is a Michigan grad, so he just did a game recap, of the total EPA per player for each team. Uh, our punter, Jay Bramblett, was third on the list. Mm-hmm. So that's it's you're not uh, crazy for putting him or the group as a whole as your first horseman. Uh, yeah, that's funny. Yeah, so exactly. So the, the fact that our special teams unit is making it onto the uh, you know uh, uh, onto the four horsemen, and and, and and don't get me wrong, they did their job, and and by and large, there are sometimes throughout the season where. We're gonna be picking a a horseman uh, and promoting them as as one of the horsemen, as someone who is not gonna really usually so, show up in the stat sheet as the best guy in the field, but it's someone who goes out and does their friggin' job. They went out and did it. Uh, it just so turned out to be that the rest of the team was less than spectacular as well. And and so, but that that's pretty much you know the thoughts that I had wrapping up. And I know that there was other segments that you wanted to get to. So Dill, sure. I'll let you take it from here. Well, I just want to give a few shout outs to. 
um, because we didn't play totally poor. Um, Tommy Tremble was a mixed bag. Um, obviously, he was a little bit responsible for the interception. He had dropped a pass early, but on the most part, he was pretty good. I thought he played well. Um, he's going to be our tight end. That's going to be really important. So uh, shout out to him. I'll let you get in here. Also wanted to note with Tremble is that on Kyron Williams' first touchdown run, huge block. Was pl- he yeah he was he was playing as the fullback uh, and then ended up you know with the, with the block there so it shows that he's he's improved in the game when, when we have both Brock Wright and Michael Meyer behind uh, also with the tight ends who are huge bodies to get uh, to get Tommy in there so to, to, as a lead blocker shows that they have some confidence in him and his skill and his body type. Absolutely, he's going to be the next Notre Dame player drafted at tight end. But speaking of tight ends, rookie Michael Meyer. Uh, fourth on the team in EPA for the game. I thought he played fantastic. Um, I get the Gronk comparisons, but I don't think he's nearly as thick as Gronk. Uh, he has lots of time to fill out, but that's going to be an exciting player for the future. Uh, freshman tight end there. Um, also, uh, Wilkins and Avery Davis, I want to give them shout-outs. Uh, Wilkins made some plays for the Irish when the receivers were struggling, and Davis caught the touchdown, which was a really nice play from the receiver. He turned around, uh, made a contested catch, and uh, basically clinched the game. Um, so big, big shout outs there. I think now going on, we will give you our fallen colleague P-Wagon's message. <laughs> he wanted us to uh, to speak for him because he couldn't be here today. So um, do you want to read it out or shall I? Yeah, I'll, I'll take it. So uh, so from uh, from P-Wagon, who is unfortunately incapacitated this week. Uh, he has a message. Let me just pull it up here. Perfect. So uh, the following is from P-Wagon. Hello. I hope this message finds Irish Nation well after our first win as a member of a conference. I am extremely hungover. Please accept my consideration for my Horseman of the Week, Jay Bramblett, who, unlike other punters, ran directly into contact. He is the best punter in the country, no further questions. Additionally, I enjoyed Dungey as an announcer, and I'm looking forward to Saturday. Irish by 17, beat USF, go Irish, love P-Wagon. It's perfect. Well said. <laughs> I like Dungey too, by the way. I thought Dungey was pretty good, and I like that Jack Collinsworth is doing the game as well now. So um, now is uh, usually the time where we get into a nice little niche of ours. Uh, juice in my nuts, Steve. I will let you explain this to our new followers, and uh, I'll let you get let you get your moment in first. Yeah. So this was a, a coin termed a term coined by me from last season, and I I forget the the specific moment in time, uh, but it happened to be we were just you know chatting and, and recapping a game, and and I had made mention that. There was a rather large or big play that ended up leading to ultimately Notre Dame pulling away in a pretty big game. So, so I said at that moment in time, it put some juice in my nuts where I really knew that not only were we going to win that game, but I also knew that this team had quote unquote it had the it factor. So, so any sort of big moment or big uh, you know tide turning point in a game, that's that's where we have now used this to uh, to create a segment, juice in my nuts. So we'll, we'll each of us will pick. You know, kind of one one big play from the game as that that moment that put some juice in, in their nuts, and uh, and and there's lady nuts here. So, if, ladies, if if you wanted to tweet us your juice in your nuts moment as well, if there's anything about the game that got you excited, uh, by all means, where we are gender inclusive with this. So, um, I'll, I'll let you take it from here if you wanted to share with us your juice moment. 
Sure. Mine was uh, freshman tight end Michael Meyer on an important third down gets hit like five or six lines behind the line of scrimmage, yards behind the line of scrimmage, or uh, sorry, five or six yards behind the first down marker, and then just drags this poor boy, <laughs> sheds a tackle, and turns it into a first down. It was a huge moment in the game. It kept the offense going. I, I got excited. It put some juice in my nuts. Um, big moment for the game, and I'm looking forward to seeing him incorporated more. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I did tweet that out. It it wasn't the greatest gift in the world because it didn't actually gift, so I had to redo it, so sorry for that. But yeah, uh, I believe that was a third and eight. It was in kind of no-man's-land territory, so it's either going to be a long fourth and four at that point if he does get tackled. Or, um, or obviously we get the first down. So, and and he was able to just drag that guy off and and get past the marker, which I think ultimately ended up in in a, in a touchdown. So that was huge. Um, as for my juice and my nuts moment, uh, I would say it was actually the Jay Bramblett fake punt, and and for a number of reasons, obviously it kept that drive alive. But that's when I actually started to say, okay, we've struggled up to this point. We had nine plays in the first quarter. We went three and out, three and out, three and out. It was an absolutely abysmal performance in the first quarter on offense. Uh, to get to that point and and to have Jay run wild, and he he did a great job. Uh, you know, he made a, a really good cut in a very intelligent way uh, to get past that first down marker. But it was more so Brian Kelly saying, one, I'm confident in this defense. Even if he gets stopped, we're going to be okay. This defense is the real deal. Two, you know, we're also confident in the offense because we're not giving up yet. Offense onto the field, we know that eventually we are going to establish our will upon them with the run game. And then, we, you know, we, in a manner of speaking, we have confidence in, in Boogie to get the job done. You know, they, they have plenty, plenty of qualms with the offense and the play calling and all things considered. But for them in that time uh, to make that call and just say, hey, you know, let, let's trick them. Let's get this first down. And you know, worst case scenario, we're still going to be OK. That's what got me juiced up. And knowing that, you know, the boys came with, uh, you know, not to really lay an egg, but they, they went out there to win. And that was, uh, I think, obviously one of the turning points. For sure. I think that was probably the turning point. I just want to pick something a little different. Just because it made me excited. Um, so I posed a question out on the podcast account today because we obviously want to get fans more involved. I asked you guys, uh, tell us one thing that concerned you and one thing that gave you confidence from the Duke game. And I do apologize. We were we are recording very soon after posting that. So not everyone's going to get a chance uh, to be featured. But um, it's with the promise that we'll read out some of your answers and uh, while I let you think about that, Steve, I'm going to just read some of the top answers we got um, on the podcast account. So first, yep. a big shout out to Tim Gale, um, TG, T, sorry, TJMBT Gale Gale. <laughs> That's his Twitter handle in case you guys want to follow him. Um, concern for him is he was the lack of offensive aggression and a confidence for him was young players stepping up and playing like vets. And uh, I quite agree with this. I think we were uh, very conservative offensively. And like he said, I, I was quite excited with players like Michael Meyer and Isaiah Foskey getting into the game. Um, so that's that's a great one there, Tim. Uh, Giuliano Romeo, um, a longtime fan of, uh, of us, and we, we were looking forward to having him on the show sometime. Uh, for him, it was the offensive line needs work. Uh, and the positive is defense looked great. So offensive line, I think for a lot of people felt like that. Um, there is a tweet out there um, from one of the best video 
guys on Notre Dame Twitter who thinks that the offensive line wasn't as bad as we thought, and he's going to be posting out a thread uh, in the upcoming days. I believe it's Greg Flamong. Yeah. So look out for that, guys, because that'll be interesting to read. But for the most part, it did feel like that. Um, So no strong disagreements from me. Uh, Defense looked great 100%. Uh, I thought the defense was phenomenal. Uh, Moving on, we've got PVM33 on Twitter said, Confidence, defense, and concern in book. I completely agree with that as well. Um, Although with book, as we mentioned, there's a lot more nuance to it. I think there's stuff that goes beyond just him. But yeah, confidence on the defense. And uh, another one, and the last one we'll shout out, uh, Mongoose on Twitter at the Pain Train 88 which might be my favorite Twitter handle <laughs> of all time. For him, concern, book, and the O-line looked the same. And confidence for him, the young guys that played were good. So we see a lot of common themes in these answers. Um, for me, uh, a lot of the same stuff too. It was the We were running the ball too much, I thought. Um, to me, we should be running the ball on second and third in the goal line, and that's about it. And this team is just dead set on running it too much. And, and the, the positive for me was the defense as well. I thought uh, we played so well throughout. I thought Clark Lee is just a phenomenal defensive coordinator. To have come in when Mike Elko left and to run with a lot of the same stuff uh, is a testament to him. So for Steve, how would you answer that question? Yeah, so the concern is the run game on both sides of the ball. So we, we didn't exactly do the greatest job of, in the world of shutting down the run on defense. Now, we didn't give up any big uh, you know plays. So by and large, we, we usually kept their gains between about three to seven yards with a couple of outliers. But, you know, against a team like Duke, they have, uh, as compared to our talent, you know, in an inferior offensive line against our defensive line. So, you know, we talked last week about how our defensive line was going to be an area of concern, but we were still confident in the front seven. And that basically played itself out in real time. You know, uh, you know Jeremiah Usukoromoa, Maris Luafu, I'm sorry if I'm pronouncing that wrong, who got his first career start. Uh, and then, you know, Drew Drew White. So the uh, the linebackers did play well overall. And, and the defensive line wasn't terrible by any means. They were still, by and large, good. But I would like to see us completely shutting down their run game on first uh, and second down. Because if, if we can shut down the run against anybody, and especially when we have Travis Entienne coming into town with Clemson, it's going to be absolutely pivotal and important to, to force the ball into the air because our defense was so good. Brings us to our second point, which is our confidence, our secondary. Holy crap. Uh, the, the, the secondary is just astonishing. Uh, Nick McLeod, the, the, senior, um, the senior transfer from NC State, he played very well, almost had an interception on a contested ball. Um, I mean, Tyreek Bracey, he can cover, man. He's, he's really good. Obviously we know Kyle Hamilton is, is literally the second coming of Jesus. And then, <laughs> uh, Sean Crawford is phenomenal. He had a huge hit on a guy, I think to, to, to force a fourth down in the red zone. So, you know, it looks like he's transitioning to the safety position. Well, so all things considered and, and Isaiah Pryor, who is probably going to get at more playing time in this upcoming week with Kyle kind of being on the fence right now with his injury. So, the secondary definitely does instill confidence, and as we know, the way to win football games is through the air, uh, by and large. Unless you're in the middle of a rainstorm, we're not. But um, yeah, uh, if if we can shut down the pass and and force them into in an inefficient run game, uh, that's that's going to be something huge going forward, and, and especially as obviously Trevor Lawrence comes into town uh, in November. So it it all kind of. 
comes full circle to all of the themes that we've been talking about. Everything we talked about this week kind of played itself out in uh, on the micro level this week. So, uh, so it's it's a it's there's a ton of emotion. There's a ton of of stuff for us to look into, and and we we all do want larger sample size so we can start to establish trends and and you know kind of get. Uh, our bearings uh, um, about us as we progress through the season, but those would be that's my initial reaction for now. It's good stuff. Um, I'd say let's go on to uh, predictions. Um, I think we pretty much wrapped up the game pretty well there. What a first game. Um, I guess before we can go, we talk about Kelly's contract extension that apparently happened a very long time ago uh, that they just announced <laughs> mid game for no fucking reason. Um, <laughs> anyway, uh, did, what are your thoughts on that? Uh, hey, we've, uh, the, the last three years of we, as we've discussed in the past have been the, the winningest three years or tied for the winningest three years in Notre Dame history. So I know that we don't have the, the large marquee wins, uh, you know, to go along with that. Um, but you have to look at the, the recruiting, the trending, you know, think about if, if we continue to, to build defenses like we have currently, and then we get, you know, guys in town with like Chris Tyree, who's in, in his you know sophomore and junior year. And then you think you, uh, of, of, uh, you know, next year's incoming freshman five-star QB, uh, Tyler Buckner out of, uh, Helix, California. Um, if, if we can just get the right pieces at the right time, yeah, the, the big win yep. is eventually going to come and yeah, that's, I, what's exciting. I, I, I think Kelly's done a lot with obviously the recruiting restrictions at Notre Dame. I think these are the best recruiting classes we're getting in a while too. The next class looks unbelievable with the with the receiver talent coming in. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't think Kelly's actually going to stay throughout the term. That's another four years, and he's already been here a decade. And um, I think he's going to. I think it just gives him control to leave when he wants. But um, I'm not concerned about it. Um, obviously, there's a lot of BK haters out there. I wouldn't say we're BK lovers. Uh, I think we're pretty rational when it comes to the coach. And yeah, we're lukewarm. Yeah, we're lukewarm. Um, he's, he's got some good stuff about him. He's got some bad, but um, I, I what it is what it is. You know what I mean? I don't I don't think we're going to see him in 2024. But uh, yeah, let's get into predictions. So as far as the game went, and we always post our predictions uh, on Twitter. Um, you and P Wagon were the closest. You had an 18 point win and ended up being a 14 point win. Uh, we all overguessed the offense. Um, fair enough. Um, and something else we do is we try to predict games around college football to keep things interested, to get other fans involved, um, just to also give you guys a wider worldview. Uh, we usually do five games, but now we're going to be doing three just because there's less teams to play. So last week I went two and one and you went zero oh and three um, and we got some uh, some guests involved. So uh, please, guys, participate if you want. Feel free to tweet at us. We'll tweet ours out and uh, we will record yours if you'd like as well. So for week three. Um, games to watch and predict Boston College at Duke, uh, SMU at North Texas and Miami at Louisville. And the goal here is to get two ACC games and kind of a non-conference game in there as well. So Steve, I'll let you go first. Yeah, definitely. So, uh, I'm going to be riding with the blue devils. Um, Hey, all things considered, they were, they were pretty impressive and, and, you know, we are obviously a superior talent to them and I, it should have been in another seven points on the board uh, for a 21 point victory. Um, but it is what it is. No, uh, you can't look back. You can only look forward, but yeah, Duke was frisky enough where I think they're going to be able to make some noise. As we said, basically last week, uh, they were bad last year. They're going to be looking to at least be a bowl contender at a minimum of six and six this year. So I think they'll, uh, they'll bounce back with a win. 
SMU, I can't help but always ride the Pony Express. For me, I'm just stuck in like a 1980s mindset where I always feel like SMU is going to be a good team and like they're about to break out. They might be terrible, but that's my rationale behind it is <laughs> is one ESPN 30 for 30 documentary. It has me it has it in my mind that they're a good team. Uh, I don't know if that's remotely smart or reasonable, but that's that's how I, I rationale things. And then I'm going with Louisville. Uh, I, I think Louisville is going to be one of those teams on the up and up. I think they're going to be at least eight and four this year. So you can't get eight and four without losing uh, you know, a game to a you know, like next week that they sh- they should be winning. So uh, I'll, I'll ride with the uh, with the Cardinal. Yeah, I think we're quite similar. So I'm going with Duke, not because I hate Boston College or anything. It's just because Boston College hasn't played yet, and Duke has. And I think the experience of going to Notre Dame and and being better, and I, I don't even think they're a 6-6 six and six team. I think Duke is a 7-8 win team this year. Um, we knew they were going to get better with the, with the returning talent they had. So I like Duke to win that uh, at home. Uh, like you, I went with SMU over North Texas. That's a real shot in the dark, but SMU has always kind of been decent, um, so I kind of like them there. And then as far as Miami-Louisville, which is going to be a huge game, they're both ranked. Um, I'm going Miami, and the reason I'm going Miami is not because Miami is back, ironically saying that because Texas is always back, <laughs> um, but it's that their quarterback is the transfer from Houston who is uh, one of the top quarterback two years ago and suffered a, a year-long injury is it De- Eric King yep so oh, wow. he's he's yeah he's a quarterback at Miami so this year I'm thinking you know what he had a good game last week I like Louisville I think they're a sneaky good team I think they we saw a big improvement from them last year and I think they could easily win this game but uh, for me I'm going Miami so let guys you know let us know what uh, what you think uh, this is a competition we'll be keeping track of it um, throughout the year So without further ado, I guess we should get into the Brian Kelly revenge game, USF. If I believe that was his first game at Notre Dame, and it was a loss at home in 2011 in the middle of seven delays. I think if that's right, maybe it's 20, maybe it wasn't his first game. But anyway, he lost to USF at Notre Dame Stadium, and it was an embarrassment. So this is the Brian Kelly revenge game. Preview for you guys. In 2019, USF went 4-8. and eight. They were 103rd in SP+. Uh, in other words, they were garbage. Just just trash. Uh, in, 20 te- in 2020, they, according to ESPN, are 56th in FPI. Uh, they are 83rd by S&P+, the, uh, the efficiency metric uh, for preseason. And that includes 109th offense and 48th defense. Uh, as far as last week, they beat Citadel 27-6, to and they are returning 76% of their starters. Steve, how do you feel about the game? Uh, I think it's we're, we are going to feel eerily similar la- uh, this week as we did last week, uh, p- potentially, again, a slow start, um, but eventually just being way too talented and way too superior in terms of size, uh, speed, and, and scheme uh, to lose to them or even keep it close after uh, three quarters. So I'd say it, we're probably looking at about a 10-3 game after the first, and then, you know, Maybe uh, uh, midway through the second, it, it, we just kind of start to blow the doors off of them and, and uh, you know, it, it just put them away you know, wholeheartedly. It is going to take uh, the, the passing game to get in rhythm, even though Bookie had 263 yards, you know, 75 of those came on one screen pass. So basically he had 150 some odd yards. <laughs> oh my God, that was the most Boston moment of all time. <laughs> 
<laughs> yards, kid. Um, he had about 150 some odd yards through the air, with the exception of that that long screen pass to Kyren. So, you know, our our wide receivers got to get open. I think we're going to scheme them open. Uh, I I think all things considered, we're probably looking at a 41 to 10 victory for the Irish. Oh, bold. Um, I thought this, like you, I thought this was going to be similar to the Duke game where it's pretty close early. (laughs) Everyone's unhappy. Um, I think just because um, SP Plus is looking at them as the 48th ranked defense preseason, I think that could be a problem. Just given how the offense played last week. And I'm going to lower my score projection than I would have. Uh, so for me, I'm going 34 to 10 for the Irish. Still a three touchdown game. Uh, I don't know the spread yet. I don't think it's been released, so we don't know if that's covering or not. And uh, the reason that's important, well, for gambling reasons, for all of us degenerates, but also for um, just Good kind teams of win, great teams goes. cover. Exactly. Good teams win, great teams cover. So obviously look to Notre Dame to cover as an indicator that they are a great team. Um, That's really loosey-goosey. That's not any solid metric or anything. (laughs) But it's important to kind of keep an eye on. So I'm going 34-10. I think the offense is going to struggle. I think we're going to be committed to establishing the run, which makes my heart break. Um, And I think we're going to find USF tougher to deal with than they should be. But the bright side is I don't think they're going to get much on this offense. I think our our defense, or sorry, much on this defense. I think our defense is too good. I think um, with or without Kyle Hamilton, they're going to struggle to throw the ball. They have some very poor quarterback play last year. Um, running the ball, maybe some success, but not a lot. I don't. I'd be surprised if they if they got more than let's say 17 points. Uh, so I'm predicting 34-10. Uh, P wagon predicted what a 17 point game. So there, yeah, yeah, we're all kind of in the ballpark. Um, what kind of score do you want to see the Irish win by? I want to guess. So I, I don't think that we're giving up more than 20. I, I'm so confident in this defense. It's, it's insane. Um, you know, they're just, they're just incredible. And Clark Lee is Boy, he's something special, man, and and hopefully we have him for a couple more seasons before he eventually. He, you know, he's going to be a head coach eventually. He's just too too absolutely gifted and talented not to be. Uh, so while we have him, let's let's just cherish every second we have with him. Um, I I would just like to see, I would like to see five touchdowns. Um, you know, we have to have at least thirty five points on the scoreboard. That's an indicator that. You know, Bookie is balling out. He's playing how he should against inferior opponents. Um, you know, I want to see him stay strong in the pocket, make his reads, make his throws. We need to get separation from the wide receivers. And uh, if if we're putting up five touchdowns, that means that everything is just clicking. And uh, and Coach Reese is is worth his salt. So that that's I think base, I, I, we are gonna win is obviously the prediction. And if we don't. I'll jump off a bridge, uh, you know, stick to the brand. But um, <laughs> I, I think whether or not we, we pass the 35-point threshold is whether or not this would be deemed as a successful game or not. Yeah, I, I would love to see this in the 40s. I'd love to see Notre Dame start scoring 40 every week just to be on that elite level of offense because we, we're going to need to get there eventually. Mm-hmm. This is a borderline bold team. They're worse than Duke. I would love to see a blowout. I want to see our backups in for the fourth quarter, basically. I just don't know with the way we've played and with the way this current offensive scheme is looking. I don't know if we're going to hit that. 
I hope we do. I hope we. I'm wrong completely, um, but it should be a comfortable win. Um, so let us know, listeners at home, what you think is going to happen. Do any of you think we're going to lose the game? That would be interesting. Um, that would be horrifying, <laughs> but uh, that would be interesting. So do you have any final thoughts before we leave here? Because we're at a pretty good mark for the podcast. No, no I mean, uh, we, we've covered it all. Uh, this is a second straight week. We haven't gone too much into recruiting. You know, we threw around a couple names, but that is something I promise we are going to cover more in depth in the future. There's just a few things that have to come to fruition over the next couple weeks. Um, but yeah, we, we are, we are going to make sure that we're covering that in, in further detail as the season you know, kind of goes along here. But, um, you know, we, we've covered the, the preview we've, uh, we've covered the recap, all things in between. We, we got ourselves a really special team and it would be a shame to have less than less than 10 wins this season. So we, this is this sort of game where we just need to go out, take care of business and, and prove to everyone, you know, shut the hell up. We are the team that we, that we, you know, the, the, there's bite behind the bark essentially. So, uh, yeah, that, that's all, everything I can think off of the top of my head. How about yourself? Nothing. I just wanted to give a big thank you to everyone who participated in the follow train. I'm so glad we get to connect with more people and that you guys got to connect with more people. To all our new listeners, welcome. We hope that you are going to stay with us for the season because this is the best podcast around, I think, and I've only listened to this one, so trust me. <laughs> um, we are very fast-growing, so we're looking forward to hearing from you guys, from interacting. Um, give us uh, give us a, re- a nice five-star review on uh, all the platforms, specifically Apple, because Steve's friends, air quotes, gave yeah. us very bad reviews as a joke. I swear those aren't real reviews. Although we still have a great review score. So come give us five stars. Uh, we look forward to having you. I think the only other thing to say is uh, go Irish. Make Notre Dame great again, baby. Let's go.